Jesus, this cat. <laughs> Meow. She sounds like a chain smoker. <laughs> you want to talk about people who deserve to get cancer? <laughs> this cat. This damn cat. Oh, Stacy. Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. We try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. <laughs> time welcome there's a chance we might have some first-time listeners on the line because oh, today's right. episode might have been recommended to you that's from right someone mm-hmm. we're not mad we just <laughs> want to talk <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna clue y'all in if you are somebody who is close with a cancer person and you need a little help, and you're a non-cancer person, we've got the tips, the tricks, the what not to say is, the what to say is, the this is why this is sensitive when we hear something mm-hmm. said in these words. The how to um, helps. How to helps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're here and it for is, you. We are freaking here for you. And I mean, let's just face it. It's a freaking landmine that we're all walking around in of ways to mess up. And we get that. We're very aware. So no one's mad. It's true. We always joke that we will throw our loved ones under the bus so you don't have to. And that's what's happening today. (laughs) Yeah. We will make the examples of everything our loved ones did shittily. (laughs) We've been been waiting a long time for this episode. Just kidding. We're not going to really throw too many people under the bus, but... There are lots of common, common mistakes. There's room for improvement. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's hard. We acknowledge that it is hard to know what to say to somebody who has cancer. Mm -hmm. We fuck it up sometimes, too. Yeah. Full disclosure, cancer people are not immune to messing up. No, totally. But I think that there are some easy things to avoid and we can help you find those easy things to avoid. Exactly. And for all you lovely cancer people listening, I do just in my own life find it easier to try not to get so touchy about a lot of this stuff because it just is easier to not make it such a thing for yourself. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you may feel however you would like to feel and take or leave any of this advice from us. That's right. I am lucky, I think, in that I have really good boundaries and Mm. uh, the people in my life generally tend to respect them. Mm -hmm. And I have not gotten a lot of super cringy stuff from my friends and family. One thing that kind of helps, honestly, is to say what you need or want from people before they fuck up, Mm -hmm. which I was wise enough to know early in my diagnosis that it would alleviate a lot of awkward situations for me if I kind of made it apparent that like 
don't talk to me about my diagnosis or what's going on with my health in front of my daughter. If you run into me at the grocery store, you know, I like said that publicly. Yep. Now I'm less weird about it because I'm not worried that anytime somebody brings up me having <laughs> gone through cancer treatment, I'm going to start crying in the middle of a grocery store. I'm, I've come to accept it. <laughs> Something that happened, but like two months in, after a bad appointment, I don't know. Yeah. Could I add something to that really fast? Yeah. Freak, yeah. There is this really great graphic that I think is super helpful for any kind of situation where somebody is having a hard time, whether it is illness or loss or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I think it's called like the grief circle, circle of grief, cir- grief mm-hmm. circle theory or something. Anyway, I will post this picture on Instagram mm-hmm. because it's just so helpful. At the center of the circle is the aggrieved or afflicted. And so if you imagine just a circle with a bunch of concentric circles around it, they are the, the pinpoint at the center. And then the next circle around that one is their significant other, parents, sister, kids, whatever. Um, And then the next circle around that is true friends. Mm -hmm. The next circle around that is colleagues. Mm -hmm. Um, And the next circle around that is (laughs) (laughs) looky-loos. And the idea is comfort in, dump out. So you comfort to the next circle from yours. You don't ever look for comfort from the person who is in a in a closer circle to the middle. Mm. You only ever dump out. So you you look for comfort from from the people that are less close to the center. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that is really important to remember as non-cancer people like you can't process your feelings about my cancer with me. It's just not fair. It's not cool. Right. I don't want to do it <laughs> to be totally frank. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if instead of going to me, you go then to a friend of yours who's not right. close to me, then rather than going to your partner, Nathan, to right. process it too, you know, where it's just like, right. Go one step out. Yeah. So in, in, my circle, you know, I'm at the center. So I look for comfort from my close people, my partner, my kids, my mom, whatever, you know, and then they get comfort from their individual people mm-hmm. that are their, their next circle out. And I think that it works really well. It's a little hard to explain, but I'll, I'll post the picture. Yeah, I think the graphic helps. I just looked at it. Yeah, like comfort in, dump out, comfort in, dump comfort out in, dump out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to add that because I think it's a good general rule. But I do want to hear what was your first on the list of things people do not want to hear? Well, one thing that is problematic for a lot of reasons is the I have a friend who oh and I have a sister boss who um, and that could go one of two ways. One is was cured or like did it and everything mm-hmm. was fine or said this about, you know, yep. and the other is died. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes when people say that, they're saying it as a way to identify with you, not thinking how it's going to sound like to be like, oh, I mean, God, I know how awful ovarian cancer is, too, because like my aunt died of it. And like, I, right. you know, she was living with us during it. So like they're trying to be like, we have this in common, but it's not like um, when you find out that like your friends is going to real estate school (laughs) when you might be like my aunt Kathy went to real estate school. Like, where are you going? Like, it's not the same thing. 
But it is really traumatizing to hear about people who die of the thing that you have that you're terrified is killing you. Yeah. Or is like this slippery sliding slope that you have no control over, like when or how or if Mm -hmm. your treatment is going to be successful in slowing or stopping or whatever the end goal is because you're right in the middle of it it's the scariest thing ever and so i really feel like hearing about anybody's else is just not helpful i did like it though honestly when people told me like success stories because my situation was technically like the end goal was let's hope that we can cure her and that she doesn't have a reoccurrence and like everyone knows breast cancer is like a very you know, like high reoccurrence rate thing. And that's why it sucks. Um, One of the reasons why it sucks. So to hear that somebody is like had it when they were 31 and now they're 70 and doing great and never had a problem again. And, you know, that's totally awesome. But then at the same time, everyone's diagnosis is so different. And oftentimes even the most well-intending person doesn't actually know about their Aunt Rhonda's full diagnosis and what actually her whole treatment was and everything and so there's sometimes like misrepresented medical facts being told to the person who is diagnosed with something that is just like stressful to be like and then the worst thing so this happened actually multiple times to me when I was getting diagnosed and um, people would tell me something about somebody they knew like exactly what you're describing they would be like oh my aunt my aunt Kathy had breast cancer and, um, you know, she's great now. She's been cancer free for 15 years and she's Mm -hmm. learning how to skydive or whatever, you know? And I would be like, Oh great. Do you know, like, did she have it in her nodes or whatever? And they would be like, yes, she did. And then later come back and be like, actually I found out she didn't. Right. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, guess no skydiving for me. I don't like, yeah. Not that you're totally fucked. If you have it in your nodes, people can have breast cancer in their nodes right. and get it treated totally. and everything is fine. But the fact that they're like using example, not even knowing the... Right. And I was still at that point of like clinging to anything that would separate me from metastasis. And so whatever, like plenty of people do just fine with it in their nodes. I think that one of the things that you can do if you are trying to connect with somebody like that you can say, my Aunt Kathy had breast cancer and is doing really great now. Would you like me to connect you with her? Mm-hmm. And that way, non-cancer person, the burden of knowing everything is not on you. You can still make that connection with your friend. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to cancer. And I don't blame people for not knowing them or right. or whatever. But um, it's just not super helpful when you don't know any of the information, because like you said, Amy, like breast cancer is, I mean, there, there are so many different, even just within breast mm-hmm. cancer, different diagnoses and, yeah. and different factors. Right. So yeah, just mm-hmm. number one being, please do not tell us about people that died. And also I feel like maybe people like in our generation are maybe more open with their diagnoses or like, but I could see how your aunt Kathy might be a little bit more private about what actually went down or like, yeah, I don't know. I just think that like, it depends on the person. I liked hearing about people's success stories. Cause like, that's the only thing I could cling to as like, yeah. <gasps> they, they did, you know, there are whole books that are, that's the premise of the book is just mm-hmm. success stories. Um, and those are comforting. Yeah. I mean, cause you do, you like need something to like, 
yeah. hang on to because anywhere you look, there's something bad. I mean, like I personally, like I can't even click on any sort of um say on on Facebook or something, somebody says like, oh, like, I'm so sad my friend from high school died or whatever, you know, and they're like around our age and like maybe there's a picture of her. I cannot click on it. Yeah. Which the old me, the looky-loo me would have been like, oh, shit, that sucks. I wonder what happened to that chick, you know? Yeah. And I would look, but I can't because I'm like, it's going to be breast cancer. It's going to, you know, and like, I can't see that and I can't. And then I know other people who absolutely do do that. They, They look for it. And then they go into this like doom scrolling thing because it is like, it's so hard. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard not to do that to yourself. I have definitely caught myself doing that. But hey, Steph. Yeah. Can I just say, at least you're not dead. Oh, my God. That's another one. (laughs) You guys, you could you could be hit by a bus tomorrow. That's not fucking help. That is, oh my God, if if I had to rank the things that I hate hearing, you could be hit by a bus tomorrow is absolute top of my list. Why the fuck would you say this to me? Like, yes, it's true. Okay, sure. But like, I don't want to know about it ahead of time, you know? Yeah. And I already have been hit by a bus called cancer. Like it's already happened. We're just trying to like figure out on a day to day basis, like the damage it's done to me is like the better analogy here. Yeah. And it's like, Yes, everybody could be hit by a bus, but like the person saying that doesn't spend every single day of their life worrying if tomorrow is going to be the day that they get hit by a bus because everyone around them has been hit by a bus (laughs) and they go to the bus mechanic once a week to hear about how faulty buses are and how the wiring is actually really fucked and how like frequently buses crash. And then you like have to ride the bus to even get there. So like... It's so and like true. every every where you look is like people getting hit by buses. People getting hit by buses. You know, it's every yeah. fucking Grey's Anatomy episode. Someone's gotten in another bus accident. <laughs> you know, yes, on the news. The person telling you anybody can get hit by a bus tomorrow only thinks about getting hit by a bus when they're trying to make themselves feel better. Talking to a cancer patient. Yes, that's the only time that even comes into their vocabulary is to like try and kill some awkward silence yeah and it doesn't fucking work we're not promised tomorrow <sighs> i i hate it and i get it that like people are trying to i guess tell you that they understand mortality i don't even know but just seriously cut that shit out you guys my cousin jenny died that, no <laughs> of, of your disease but she said chemo was fine anyway oh sorry <laughs> We already talked about that one. I just got mad again. It just bubbles out of me. (gasps) Oh, my God. Um, I will throw this person under the bus. I really don't think that they listen to the podcast, but... um, I'm under the bus that they might get killed by tomorrow. Go on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What I mean is you might be murdered by a bus tomorrow. By someone throwing you under it. Okay, go on. Not someone is me. Anyway, the lead up to this is boring, so I won't I won't tell it. But I was in I had been diagnosed. I had just found out that the cancer was in my bones. And I saw this woman that I know. I would say that we're friends. Um, We're definitely not close friends, but she's like one step up from an acquaintance. And I had done her a favor. I'll just say that I brought something to her house that I had made. And 
she was talking to me about how she couldn't believe that I had been diagnosed with cancer. And I was like, yeah, I was kind of trying to give her the rundown because it was mid pandemic. I had not seen another adult in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, like it's wild. I have no, you know, I don't feel any symptoms. It's just been so weird. And and she's like, yeah, I know. You know, I actually had a scare with breast cancer. And um, so I totally know how that how bad like the waiting for test results is. And I was like, yes, you know, like I felt like we were really connecting. I felt really heard. <laughs> and mm-hmm. She's like, yeah. And they um, when they were doing all the tests, they kept telling me what the odds were that I had breast cancer. And I was just saying, no, no, that can't be. And I was like, I know it's so wild, right? Like, you just can't believe it. And she's like, yes. And I just kept telling them, no, this is not me. This is not me. And I'm like, yes, she gets Mm -hmm. it. And then she's like, because I eat healthy and I exercise every day Mm -hmm. and it just couldn't be me. And I was just like, excuse me. Yeah, there's there it is. And then um, I just, it was like Homer in the bushes meme. I was just like, get me the fuck out of this conversation right now. Yeah, It was so weird and so awful. So anytime you Mm. think that you are going to set yourself apart from people with cancer because you've never smoked or you don't drink or you love to ride your bike or whatever it is, I want you to keep that shit to yourself. Yeah. And I get how she hasn't listened to this episode yet so she has not been educated about this (laughs) but honestly like i get how she would make that mistake because she is not close enough to the situation to know the reality of how it feels to actually be diagnosed with cancer yeah and she probably didn't even hear it that way when it came out of her mouth all these and there's always there's so commonly these undertones of like making someone with cancer the other and the Mm -hmm. person who doesn't who is supporting them or trying to support them is making it very clear through these weird throwaway comments they make or statements that they don't even realize come across that way and like that's the thing we're trying to get people to maybe be a little bit more careful of you know even with saying like you're so brave or i couldn't i couldn't do it you know people say that too and they're saying that like oh i'm trying to hold you up by saying like what a great job you're doing dealing with this hard thing in your life. I couldn't do it. But like the way that actually sometimes come up, comes across is like, it doesn't hit right because yes, you could do it. None of us want to do it. What do you, yeah. Think? Like I didn't, I didn't choose to do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that's exactly it. The way that that comes across to me is, you know, when, another another mom at school or something is like you're so good for being on the PTO I just don't have the time where do you find the time it's like I get it you're busy important lady whatever you know like Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it comes across to me when people say that like oh I could never do it like you could do it because you have to do it because nobody Mm -hmm. fucking signs up for this yeah it sucks it does suck you're so strong the bravery and you're so strong thing really gets me um because to me, bravery is when you voluntarily take a risk. Right. You know, it's like giving a speech when you're afraid to speak in public or, mm-hmm. you know, going out on a limb for a cause that you really care about or something. That's bravery. Or like having different choices and picking the harder one, you know, or something. Yeah. And I I don't think people understand 
how how little bravery factors in. It's not like, I mean, I guess I could choose to just forego all treatment, but like I I go to the scans even though I don't want to, not because I'm brave, it's just because I have to yeah. do it, you know? I I open up my chart to see what the results are because I have to, not because I'm brave. They should substitute that and say, "Wow, you must really not want to die." Yes. It's like what they're yes. actually like it's like what's actually going on. It's like yeah. This is my option. Yeah. That's right. Um, I'm just going to stop us right here because I actually want to read a letter right now. Ooh. I'm just going to go for it. Get that read. Okay. <laughs> um, but this says, Dear Amy and Steph, longtime listener, first time writer. Can I say that if your podcast has only been around for a few months? <laughs> yeah. I love what you two are doing here and your honesty and humor is much appreciated. I am not a cancer person and I do not have any immediate members of my family who have been recently diagnosed with cancer and that feels pretty rare. But I am a person with many loving people in my life and unfortunately a number of them have been diagnosed with some form of cancer in the last year. And your podcast has helped me be a person who can talk to people who have cancer in a bit more of a confident way than I would have been able to previously. So thank you. Recently, someone very dear to me was diagnosed with breast cancer at the little age of 26. We're not best friends, but I've known her for a long time and we've always been deeply connected. We met when she was 15 years old and she was crying in my Starbucks because of some idiot boy. I brought her a free cocoa and we have been friends ever since. And I have always felt a bit of a protective, nurturing draw towards her, even though she is a completely whole and capable person herself. That all being said, she's tough, she's honest, and she has a lot of love in her life, and she does not want to be coddled. I am very similar, and I don't quite know how to help. Do either of you have ideas on how to show up for someone that is probably already overwhelmed with lots of people showing up for them at a time she's still very much trying to navigate herself? And I mean showing up in any way, not necessarily literally. <laughs> Thank you so much, trying not to overwhelm. <laughs> Jess. Oh, Jess. This is the episode for you, girl. It sure is. Um, But I honestly read the way you describe your friend. I would almost just change the wording of this letter that where you talk about her. Include some cocoa <laughs> that you send her with this letter and say that you still are going to be there for her. Um, But like, I like where she says, like, I've. I feel protective over her, even though she's a completely whole and capable person. Like, that's a really nice thing to say to somebody like, you know, like, I know you're dealing with this, but I still like want to help you in whatever way I can. I know that you're being bombarded by so many people that want to help you, but I also am completely here for it. I think, too, something that is really important is that she be reminded that she is a whole and capable person because that's exactly it. When you're first diagnosed, you feel like such a dumbass all the time. Like everything is brand new. You have no control over what's happening. Mm. Everybody knows more than you at these appointments that you're going to. They're telling yeah. you all about your body. And it's really easy to have your self-esteem take a big hit Yeah, when you don't feel like a capable person. You know what? That might be the thing you should say instead of you're so brave is you are such a whole and capable person. Yes. And I am so impressed with how you're navigating this really, really hard time. You know, something yes. like that. Yes, Jess, be. you nailed it, girl. 
Ooh, you taught us something <laughs> today. Oh. Yeah, Jess, you are a whole and capable yeah. person. And it sounds like this friend probably has a lot of great help in her corner, but that doesn't mean that you need to just back off and, and not show up too. I'm sure she would really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you have like a good suggestion for something she could do? I mean, I think that really just like we said, hyping her up in a realistic way, mm-hmm. not saying you're so brave, you're going to beat this. You, you know, you're a warrior, you're strong, but saying yeah. you are an intelligent person. You are a capable person. Mm-hmm. This isn't your fault. Yeah. This is hard. This must be really scary. Yeah. I'm having Thai food dropped off tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. All the things keep listening to the episode. You're going to, you're going to hear some, some ideas Yeah, that might resonate with you, but I'm glad that you wrote Jess, because it's so relevant. We'd been meaning to do this episode and your letter fit in perfectly. So Mm -hmm. I think too, just, and this is a controversial one, maybe because a lot of cancer people do identify with this kind of language, but I really dislike the warrior, your battle scars, Mm -hmm. all of that. You're a fighter, Um, not to bring down the mood entirely, but Um, A friend of mine just died yesterday and she was in one of my metastatic groups. She specifically said, do not ever say anything about me being a fighter. Mm -hmm. Don't say I lost my battle. Right. Because it wasn't a fair fight and I didn't sign up for it. And I think that that kind of that kind of mentality does just that. It says that the people who end up dying just didn't fight hard enough or what? Right. And so if, if that language does resonate with you as a cancer person, it's totally fine. But, um, Mm. you know, don't use it as the default non-cancer people. Yeah, totally. Like there's nothing that compares to that in cancer consumerism or Mm -hmm. I would say like 85 to 90% of cancer organizations or groups or use kind of these taglines. People call it like pink washing breast cancer, Mm -hmm. for example, where everything has to be pink. And it's like they offset the fact that it's pink with like these highly militarized (laughs) graphics and stuff. Like you have to make it look super tough just because there's a pink ribbon on it. I know. But it is because it is the default heavily marketed thing it is like the recognizable thing so like i get where it's just like yeah. the easiest thing to go for i get why people like name their instagram account something with sort of some of this language in it to be identifiable to yeah. other people who they're on there trying to connect with mm-hmm. but it is sort of like maybe as the years go on and as new organizations come to play maybe they can kind of you know just take some steps away from that you know yeah like maybe like set the pink ribbon down and let Susan Komen or whoever deal with the pink ribbon yeah. and then you can like get your own shit. Yeah. Like perhaps two ladies standing in front of a burning <laughs> vehicle could be uh, what some a good idea. Something good. I love it. Such a great idea. If you are somebody who is friends with a parent of a child with cancer, if you ask them if they know how their child got cancer, I will find you because like, do you know, do you know how he got it? Do you know what happened? Is it, does it run in your family? These are questions that people ask parents of children. And this goes back to your grief circle thing of don't fucking put this on the parent of a child of cancer to make you not worry about your kid, that this is going to happen to your kid. 
Do you know what I mean? Because that's what it is implying. That is exactly what's, yes, that's what's happening. Is that this parent, you know, like, well, you know, it was all the lead paint in the bedroom that was chipping that we hadn't even thought about. Yeah, she was just gnawing on the windowsill for months and months. And then she got cancer. Wow. So weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you fucking think? Yeah. I want any parents, if you have a child and anybody asks you this, I want you to like think about something you have really in common with them and be like, well, um, actually, Trisha, we found out that um, he got, well, it was those Dr. Brownstein's baby bottles that we were using. Um, <laughs> they actually weren't BPA free. And um, there's like this big loss. Wait, you use those with uh, Penny Cara yeah. and Cardamom, both of your kids. You use them both with your those doc oh. anyway i guess it's just like a 92 percent chance that it causes childhood <laughs> cancer so i'm really glad that you asked me how my child got it um anyway i have to go back to the hospital to like relieve my husband he's been there for like seven hours and like i have to work to- so i'll see you later you know anyway so fucking do that yeah yep yep or it. send us their address mm-hmm mm-hmm Amy, you had a really good idea for um, hazing people by the mail. I did. You did. You volunteered. Somebody you thought was being mean to me you volunteered to send them a dead skunk. <laughs> That's what we'll do. That'll be the cancer for breakfast calling card. Oh, God. We'll send dead skunks in the mail to anybody who asks you that. I have a amazing friend who is like the best living artist of our time in America of our time. Yes, <laughs> he really is. Look him up. And um, Derek Erdman is his name. And he would offer to send a cheeseburger anywhere in the mail. <laughs> so it was a service he provided and he would mail. No questions asked. Just <laughs> mail anyone a cheeseburger. So if we can't find skunks. <laughs> oh, man. I have one that is actually applicable, I think, to everyone, Mm -hmm. cancer adjacent or not. I would just really love it if, as as a personal favor to me, we could agree to stop commenting on people's weight. Just like weight gain, Mm -hmm. weight loss, whatever. Because uh, you have no idea if somebody has a horrible illness (laughs) that has resulted in in weight loss. And so complimenting them on how great they look because they've lost weight is so incredibly rude. And Mm. I mean, this did happen to me. So I, you know, I do have firsthand experience with somebody Mm -hmm. who told me how great I look because I had lost weight. And um, I did uh, waste no time in ruining her day by telling her that I have stage four cancer. Mm. And I hope she'll never make that mistake again. But just commenting on somebody's weight is so inappropriate. Um, Mm -hmm. If you want to say somebody looks great, then fucking say it. Say that color looks beautiful on you. Your hair, Mm -hmm. your hair is very bouncy today. You're looking amazing. Whatever. You're, You're glowing. Or even better, don't comment on their appearance at all right. and give them a genuine compliment about something that matters. It's true. But don't be like the lady in the library curbside pickup line who told me that I look great because I had lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> that poor woman. I mean, sh- she deserved it, but I feel, I 
feel bad for her. I'm sorry. I feel bad for her, too. She had it coming, and I hope she will take this to heart. She will never (laughs) do that again. Yeah. And truly, you don't know, like, even if you know the person has cancer and they've lost weight and you think they look great, you don't know if that person maybe has a history of, like, eating disorder and Mm -hmm. now they have lost weight because they're having trouble eating because they're so stressed out or because treatment's making food taste really bad. But hearing that comment could put a crazy weird pressure for like coming out of treatment or coming out of whatever stressed for like putting that back on. And like the last time that anybody needs to be worrying about gaining weight back or Mm -hmm. doing anything or slipping into some slippery diet slope is during treatment time. And then we've brought this up before in past episodes, how you gain weight on these fucking medications. Mm -hmm. Or if you're doing chemo stuff, you're taking these steroids for like days at a time. Yep. And they make you puff. Your face gets like much rounder or these hormonal medications can Mm -hmm. make you gain weight rapidly. I'm like totally gaining all this weight that I'm just like, well, fucking whatever, dude. But like, I don't really want people talking about it or yeah i think too it happens this is so weird but it happens that somebody will use your weight as a gauge of how well you're doing Mm -hmm. too and so to comment on that somebody could be really struggling with treatment their treatment could not be going well and yes Mm -hmm. they could have gained weight that's not not an indicator of their health and so just to use weight as any kind of gauge for how how well somebody's doing is so messed up right and so just like yeah don't comment on it just don't. Mm-hmm. I beg of you, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Please. Oh, you know what? I People have said this to me, and I get it. Um, I, I do appreciate the sentiment behind it. And I did end up having to, having to kind of reel people in a little bit. But the whole, like, you're going to beat this. Oh, yeah. Um, I will not be beating this. <laughs> You know, (laughs) cancer is going to beat me. It is predestined unless I get lucky and get hit by that bus. (laughs) um, And so to put the onus on me to beat cancer is really unfair and also puts me in the position of saying, actually, I'm not, you know, like, right. It's such a difficult conversation to have. And um, I know that people are trying to be optimistic and like, right, I can get behind wanting to hype up your friends or your loved ones. Mm -hmm. And also um, some of my friends were doing this and I love them so much. And so it was really hard for me to say, Hey, can you guys stop doing this? Because I realize like they're grieving also, but my friends would talk about the feet, like the long distant future and, uh and talk about me in it. And that was hard too. It was just like, they were just talking, you know? And I think that for a lot of them, they were honestly probably trying to make themselves feel better and trying to make me feel better. But Mm -hmm. whenever I hear about like, oh, when you're a grandma or whatever, the first thing I think of is I'm never going to be a grandma. Like, I'm sure that wasn't at the forefront of their minds when they were saying it. But I think just to consider like what the burden is of what you're saying and the position that it puts the cancer person in Mm -hmm. to then remind you of the reality that what you're saying may not come to pass. And sure, you can let it slide. You can just ignore it, try to let it roll off your back. But sometimes that's possible and sometimes it's really hard to do. Yeah. And it's like another reminder that they're not really there with you. Yeah. I hate it. So another one that just kind of hits weird for people 
is everyone saying I'm sorry all the time. Like, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. But I kind of like have a little bit of a complicated relationship with this one because I feel like it's not people's fault that we don't have a better word in the English language for it. You know, to mean like we kind of like get what it means because you're sorry, but you didn't give me cancer. So don't fucking say you're sorry. Or like you're sorry for me. So then you're telling me you pity me. Yeah. That also doesn't feel that good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're not saying either of those things. And what I think they might be trying to say is like, I'm so pissed this is happening to you which is such a more meaningful thing to say it is or i'm so sad this is happening to you you know like how, is there another word you can replace like i'm so sorry you're going through this with like i'm so like i don't think that there is just a neat prepackaged phrase that we have no and but that's the thing that i think that's why this bothers so many people it i I kind of don't mind. I'm sorry, because whatever. Like, I don't either, because I know what they're saying. It's like, happy birthday. I don't, <laughs> you know, it's it, like I said, it's prepackaged. We understand it, whatever. But what you could say instead of I'm sorry is what you actually mean. You could say, I can't fucking believe this is happening. Like, yeah. what the hell? I'm so angry. I'm so mad for you. I'm mad for me. Like, yeah, I'm so sad that your family's mm -hmm. going through this. I'm yeah, I'm scared for what the future might look like. Yeah. Those are all legit things to say. You're like, you're not alone. You know, you have a, you have a whole support system. And yeah. I just remind you that I'm a part of it. You know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. All of that, I think, is to say that you can talk about how angry and sad you are for your friend or for your loved one, mm -hmm. because it's not going to like freak us yeah. out. Like by naming what's happening to us, mm -hmm. you're not bringing it back to our minds or something like, right. I never forget that I have cancer. You bringing it up with me and, and processing it a little bit with me is fine. As long as you're not doing the thing of the grief circle. Yeah, no no deep processing, right. You know, like as long as you're not like I'm really having a hard time with your diagnosis. I've been thinking about it so much and I can't stop crying at nighttime when I think about your poor family. Like don't fucking do that yeah, shit. Yeah, no, don't do that. But you know, it does help. It helps me at least when my friends say like I'm so angry that this is happening to you mm -hmm. as long as they aren't expecting me to like then solve their anger right the platitudes are not helpful mm -hmm. in knowing that you have people who care about you yeah i mean at least they're not helpful to me yeah i also find sometimes this is something that was really hard for me early on that some of my friends did and some of them are such good friends of mine that they actually probably listen to this podcast and i know some of them do so i feel weird saying it because they're probably gonna be like oh i think that's me but it's for the greater good. <laughs> um, I think in my diagnosis days during these very, very scary weeks where I did not know what my treatment was going to look like. I did not know what my staging was. I didn't know a lot of stuff. All I knew is that I had breast cancer and like mm -hmm. it looked like it hadn't spread, you know, like yeah. which was not a very concrete thing to help you sleep at night when it's you. Mm -hmm. But I think that some of my friends thought that they would be of service if they could distract me from it without asking me if I needed distraction. Yeah. And I th think that that might be before I had gone through this, that might have been something I would have offered to somebody too. Yeah. Because I would have thought like, oh my God, I would imagine that poor person that I love so much who's dealing with this awful cancer diagnosis, like can't get out of her mind right now. And so like, yeah. I'm close enough to her that I can go like, 
like, hey, let's just go take a walk and let's go do this thing. And that would be an instinct of mine. But when it is you, like I could not stop thinking about what was going on with me Mm -hmm. that I was so exhausted physically. I couldn't eat anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not doing well. And then I would have friends like say, come on, you should get out of the house. Like, why don't we like, like, let's just go grab lunch real quick. We can like sit outside or whatever, you know? And like, and I'd say, okay, you know, in my head, I'd be like, I don't even want to do this. Yeah. Like he's right. I should get out of the house, you know? And then I would go. And then that person would like talk about all this other stuff and not about what was going on with me. Clearly they were making the choice that I needed to be distracted without saying like, Hey, do you want to talk about what's going on? Or do you want to like, just put it somewhere else for this lunch and like talk about other stuff to have a little break from like, even just to ask that would have been better. But like, I just remember sitting there and like listening to like all of your friends telling you like oh i'm having some problems with my roommate but like i mean it's definitely like they always say i mean it's nothing compared to what you're going through which is also we can go back to that in a second but like just telling you the stuff and like my eyes would glaze over like you know how people talk about how they can't listen to other people reciting their dreams like and then you like your (laughs) eyes kind of glaze over and you feel exhausted immediately as they start talking which like i kind of like listening to people's (laughs) dreams but i know that feeling though where you're like oh my god oh my god (laughs) But that would happen to me where I was like, I can't even, I don't have the mental capacity to even be having a conversation, let alone like pretend that I'm listening to whatever stuff is going on right now because like I'm going to like my oncologist's office tomorrow to find out what stage fucking cancer I have. And like, I actually do want to talk about it because I need to process it and it's all I'm thinking about over and over. So like, you know, that lunch might've been good to process that but instead it's just kind of like they don't want to like poke you too hard and put you on the spot either but they're like your good friends too yeah you know so like maybe go ahead the burden is then on you also to like approximate a normal person and it is exhausting and like i i know that it's hard to know what to say i know that we've all been in a position where like something crazy happens and you have to still like talk (laughs) and exist Mm -hmm. in the world and you know you're probably gonna fuck it up and it's scary to see your friend sitting across from you crying um you don't have anything to do that's helpful like i know i know all of that is really weird feeling but you gotta Mm -hmm. just do it you know you have to yeah let the person lead the way you can't you mm-hmm. can't distract them. For, like, there, there's no distracting. Yeah. Make it easy to let them lead the way by before you decide to distract by just simply asking, like, do you want to talk about something else for a little bit while we, like, yeah, do our drink orders? Or do you, like, want to just tell me what's going on right now? Either way is fine. Just instead of, like, just choosing and then that person has to either just go along with it or has to actually interrupt you and say, can we talk about my cancer? Which is, like, hard to be like. Yeah. It just sucks either way you know yeah but the other thing if you are a good friend of somebody and you don't know what to say so you just say nothing or you just send a few simple texts because you maybe you are freaking out that your friend has cancer and like i hear this all the time like people actually ghost their good friends Uh or show up in ways that are like 
really, really mismatched for the level of closeness you have with that person. Yeah. You know, where you're like, where the fuck did like so-and-so go? Like, this is weird. Okay. Clearly it's not that they don't care. Clearly it's that they are having a huge issue with this and Mm -hmm. it's like freaking them out and like, Maybe they know somebody else who died of cancer and it was really traumatizing for them. They were close to them and now it's you and they're like reliving their own trauma. I I get it. I get it. It's fucking hard. Mm -hmm. But like it is just so shitty. I had to do I had to dump one friend because I was just like, you know what, dude, if you like fucking text me twice to say if there's anything I need to let you know. And like, yeah, I have shown I have like left my house when I have an infant who's like asleep at night Mm -hmm. but I've left my house at 11 p.m. to go meet you at some shitty bar so I can listen to you like talk about some crappy boyfriend who sucks who like one after you know and I get cancer and you send me two like hope you're okay you know like it's so shitty it's so shitty like just get some fucking therapy people i don't know what to say about that it's i i do have one friend who has essentially ghosted me and then um showed up again to tell me about her like existential crisis around your cancer no or in, just in oh, general she was just she just needed a friend uh-huh so she <laughs> <laughs> Because she knows I'm really going through something, too. So Oh, so now you guys can relate to each other. And I was like, this is not going to happen. I don't know what you were thinking. Did you tell her to... I did. I was like, I'm not... hit by a bus? (laughs) I was like, I'm not in a place where I can help you (sighs) go through this uh, at all. Yeah. I didn't even have to break up with my shitty friend. I just... I'm in Oregon and we're really like passive aggressive. Uh huh. Yep. So <laughs> I did the thing that like a 14 year old would do. And I just like unfollowed her on Instagram <laughs> because she was posting in her stories, a gift basket with like <gasps> soup and all this stuff that she was bringing to her friend who was infirmed, <gasps> she said, and she's posting all these like no stuff she had made to bring wh- whoever the sick friend was and i was sitting there being like i have no hair i am bald <laughs> you fucking suck my friend of 12 years so i just was like unfollowed her and then she has now unfollowed me she never asked me about so we're just like not friends but anyway that is and her name is sandra <laughs> i'm just kidding i'll never tell <laughs> but if you're listening sandra <laughs> we hate you uh, and if I die, I don't forgive you. Just kidding, I do. Um, <laughs> come on, we joke around. It's cancer for breakfast. We can joke around. I want that basket for you. <laughs> <laughs> Get with the program, Sandra. Um, it, it, yeah, it's hard to be a person in the world. You know, we understand. Mm-hmm. We have to be people in the world, also. But mm-hmm. just don't do that, you guys. Come on. Yeah, I've actually like apologized to some people that have gone through hard times where I thought I was lacking in my friendship responsibility with them Mm -hmm. um, since this diagnosis, because I think it's just like, it sucks, but it does kind of make you understand like the human condition in a whole new way, even if you don't want to. And like, suddenly you're like, Oh, I think that I was choosing for that person to not put them on the spot about that. But really what was behind that was yeah. my discomfort with their situation. And then like now I talk to them about it and it's kind of like interesting. That's the thing that you have to just do. If you blow it, you just 
say so, you know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to go back and tell your friend, hey, that conversation we were having yesterday, I really blew it, didn't I? Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. Yeah. You can say like, God, I was really having a hard time dealing with your sadness. And that was so weird of me. You know, I'm definitely going to try to work on changing that, you know, changing my response. Mm hmm. Like, be honest. Just be be honest about what's going on with you. Yeah. And we will understand that because we are also people. Did you tell that person, though, to finish your story, the existential crisis? Tell her to go fuck herself? Oh, yeah. Or just like... <laughs> I did, yeah. I mean, I said, like, I'm not in a place right now where I can, like, be your sounding board for your existential crisis. Right. This is the bad thing about having me as a friend is I will just say that to you. I mean... Now I don't think we're friends. You've said it to me about three times. <laughs> and so now I talk to my other friends about my existential crisis and it's working out great. Appreciate your honesty. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I do think that that's been one good thing about cancer is that it really just has a way of stripping the bullshit from your life. Yeah. Who's got the fucking time? And um, it's really easy for me now to be like, actually, I never liked you. So let's just <laughs> cut our losses here. <laughs> oh, see, I kind of like feel I get that. But at the other time, like there is sort of like a little bit of a weight to making somebody feel bad when you're somebody with cancer. Because then you're like, do you know what I mean, though? Like, oh, now, like they're going to be like, I hurt somebody with cancer's feelings, you know, like, like how you look at it from the outside or like how it would look like before you had cancer where you're just like, that's very nice of you to be like that. It's not our responsibility, (laughs) but it's not envy being in, in Steph's, uh, shit list (laughs) on our shit list. Woo. You shouldn't, shouldn't, you should try to avoid my shit list. It's true. Speaking of shit lists, I'm looking at my shit list of other stuff. One real hot tip that is very helpful is if you specifically state what you would like to do for somebody to help versus just saying, let me know if you need any help. And that could be anything. Oh, my God. No, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call you and say, yes, I would like a pizza. Exactly. Is that pizza still available? <laughs> Don't say, let me know if you ever need a pizza. I would love to send a pizza to your family. Just let me know if there's a night when you need that sometime. Bye. Um, you're right. You will never, ever say, actually, we are hungry. Should we ask uh, Jessica for that pizza tonight? Yeah, it's never going to happen. Nobody wants to say, when can I send you a pizza this week? Do you have dinner for tonight or can I send one tomorrow? Exactly. Do you even like pizza? Do you want burritos? You know, and then you're like, you can answer. Yes, that's fine. But yeah, like specific things that don't make the cancer person feel like you ha- you're doing this huge elaborate going out of your way trouble for them too cuz mm-hmm. like it's hard to suddenly like accept help from everybody yep. too that I think people don't realize and a lot of the times people are trying to help you to make themselves feel better like in, in an understandable way like they want to be doing something yeah cuz it is hard but don't put it on us to like tell you how to help just say like, oh, I'm making a lasagna tomorrow for my family. Could I could I make two and just drop one off on your porch? Like, make it easy. Yeah. Don't make it like we could visit in the front yard. Just make it. I'll drop it off on your porch. Exactly. Let that person say, well, you could also come in if they want to see you. Like, you know, it's so true. It's it. I think that's 
you really nailed it when you said it's hard to suddenly accept help from everybody. Mm -hmm. You need it and it's hard. And I think that people don't know exactly what kind of help you might need. Mm -hmm. And so that might be why they say, let me know if I can do anything or whatever. But it's true. It's just so much more helpful when they have that Mm -hmm. that offer. Yeah. I have a good friend who's like the queen of this. She will text me and say, I am getting you guys dinner tonight or tomorrow night. Would you like Thai food or burritos? Mm. Love it. And that's it. Like, there's no arguing. She won't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. But she's not like, come on, let me do this for you. She's just like, this is happening. I'm leaving it on your porch. Yeah. And it's so nice because you don't then have to like, yeah, be super effusive about your gratitude. It's just, you know, it's just freely given. Yeah. Is what every offer of help should be. I really liked it when people would offer something that they were doing anyway, like going to the grocery store, like, like I'm on my way to the grocery store. Should I drop anything off on my way home? And if they like give you permission to ask for something frivolous too, you know, like, yes, like, I don't know. It could be something like, are you guys out of cheddar cheese and you don't want to have to make the trip? I will bring you cheddar cheese. Would you like something refreshing, like an iced tea or some popsicles? Like, or do you have a list of groceries and you could Venmo me, you know, like I don't give a shit. I'll just drop them by. It's no trouble to me. Yeah. Like I had multiple friends do that for me. It was great. And also my girl, Cassie, one day, one thing that was so fun is she was at Trader Joe's and she's like, instead of like bringing you a meal, like everybody does, would it be cool if I just like, dropped off a bunch of like really good Trader Joe's snacks that like my daughter loves and I like a lot which is so fun I got a bag full of shit that like I had not tried half of it yeah it wouldn't even occur to me to like buy whatever flavored nuts or whatever she got (laughs) or like these like freeze-dried apples and all this shit that I had never tried yeah that was so fun like I loved it and then it was like snacks for Josie and stuff yeah not that like I'm telling you to go buy somebody a bag of groceries because I know that's expensive and stuff, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, just doing doing what you can, I think, and not putting the burden on the cancer person. That's what it's all about. Yeah. There's a difference between I'm going to the store. Would you like me to pick you up something? And if you ever want me to go grocery shopping for you, let me know. Right, right, right. So so close. I I would like to talk about how everything happens for a reason. Ooh, I feel like there's a reason <laughs> you're bringing this up. <laughs> I, I know this is like the greatest hits of um, what not to say to people with cancer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for a good reason, it's, it's just the worst when people tell you everything mm-hmm. happens for a reason or God g- doesn't give us more than we can handle. Right. Because I promise you that the reason I got cancer was that some of my cells went rogue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't like to teach me a life lesson. Right. And it's not helpful for you to suggest that, that there's some greater lesson involved in somebody's illness. Yeah. And hopefully you wouldn't say that to somebody whose child has cancer. You are not that stupid, right? To say right? Well, everything happens for a reason. Right? Um, especially maybe like if that child passes on to say that, clearly you would not be that fucking stupid. But that's, I'm saying this to illustrate a point of how it's like, whoa, 
you, you know, like to anybody with cancer or to anybody with any terrible thing that happens, you know, like a a terrible miscarriage or just like whatever, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's just. Well, and like, what if you die? What if you have what if you die from your cancer? This seems like God did give you more than you could handle. Right. I mean, it it was God's plan. Flawed logic. Sure. And I think that it's just really profoundly unhelpful um at least when the prayers are the only thing that's being offered right i could go down down the road pretty far talking about all of my problems with this way of thinking but i do think that generally speaking this is one of the big problems with organized religion is that prayer is the big thing that you're supposed to do and that then presumably gets you off the hook for doing anything else, right? Right. And so mm-hmm. um, if I have to choose between your prayers and you pitching in to have my house cleaned, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would take the latter because one is tangibly helpful and one is making you feel better, I guess. Um, yeah. And so it's, I mean, like you said, if religion is your thing, great. Please don't impose it on people who don't buy in because... Um, it does have an othering effect. Mm-hmm. I, I hear over and over and over again that people don't feel comforted by prayers when they aren't also a believer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, talk to me about this one. Is it curable? What's your prognosis? Oh, what's your prognosis? Whoo! Don't ask me that. I mean, seriously, because like, what are you going to like make plans based on how much time I've got left or What is this about? Like, people do ask, what's your prognosis? Mm -hmm. And I think that they don't realize what a touchy subject that is for people with cancer. Mm -hmm. I don't know my prognosis. My oncologist asked me one time if that was something I wanted to talk about with her. And I said, no, I I didn't want to have that conversation. And I think what people don't understand is there there is no set prognosis for most people unless the prognosis is you're going to be fully cured you know <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. that's great but i find it really weirdly offensive and i have been asked by some people who i know are like lovely friends who are very emotionally intelligent they weren't trying to be jerks but um i don't know what do you think about what's your prognosis i i think it's a very very touchy thing for a number of reasons and i think it's just better to be avoided i think like clearly if you're close enough to that person they're gonna tell you what they want to tell you and when they want to tell it to you if you're not close enough they're clearly not and you should not be asking them anyway yeah but like either way to ask it is sort of like like Ask if they like their oncologist, yeah. you know, ask something that is like a little less touchy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, put in different words. They're just asking, how much time do you have left? Mm-hmm. And it's just such a weird thing to ask. Like, not only because it's so fraught, but also because that's not really how it works. Right. You know, it's not like you get diagnosed and they're like, well, you've got 18.5 months left. You know, it's Mm -hmm. all based on your treatment and how well it's working and how you respond and how long it works and all of that. It's just I don't know. And like we say all the time, we're dealing with statistics that we're 
based on people who were diagnosed with whatever disease many years ago that they've been studying. And then those statistics are now what they're basing new people that are getting diagnosed. So we have to wait all these new medications coming out. Treatments are changing. Yeah. Lifespans are changing, all sorts of stuff. So fucking Google it if you're curious about your friend's statistics. Seriously. It's widely available information. It's hard to avoid, in fact. (sighs) So and then realize that everyone is different and everyone's treatment's different. So then erase whatever you just read from the internet from your mind. Yeah. But please don't put like an X on your calendar for my <laughs> my expiration date or whatever. So I'm making a lasagna. I was wondering if I can make an extra one for your funeral, but I wasn't sure <laughs> when that would be. <sighs> Um, okay. Another couple few helpful things though, just while we've got you on the horn. Um, when you brought up having people come over to clean your house or whatever, that reminded me that one of the like kindest things that a friend of mine did was she just like sent me her housekeeper and like, wow, paid to have her housekeeper come. She just like did that thing where she's like, okay, I'm going to connect you via text to my house cleaner. I'm going to pay for it it's all good but you just arrange a time sometime in the next week or two like whenever it's good for you with like your treatment break or whatever you know and it was so nice that is amazing and also it was nice because it took pressure off my partner as well as me because it's so hard to accept help from people and then when your caretaker is constantly having to like be your main person and then you feel bad about like the dishes not being done yeah. Or they're just like staying up late doing the dishes and yep. you feel awful. Um, and then another thing, offering to come over and just like play with someone's kids if they have kids or if your yeah. kids are friends with their kids, offering to like have play dates or take them to the park if that's something that you guys do together. Yeah. If you know you're a trusted adult in that community, that's a really nice thing to offer. Of course, the pandemic was happening when... I was going through mm-hmm. treatment. Was yep. Like, stay stay away. Wave for me. <laughs> Wave at the yard at my kid. But no, you may not hold her. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I know that we've hit on the the ways that you can help by, you know, making food and cleaning house and things like that. But like, if you have no money to offer or whatever, that's totally okay, too. But there are like helpful things that you can just say. You can mm-hmm. be honest about how you feel. Yeah. And also if you do realize that you said the wrong thing or you did something weird, you can just say, Hey, I feel kind of like I blew it. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I wasn't trying to make you feel worse. Mm-hmm. And that's all right. Like we definitely noticed. <laughs> so, you know, like the apology means something. Yeah. That's when an I'm sorry is helpful is when you're actually apologizing for something you may have made a mistake about. Yeah. And it is kind of like that honesty is the best policy, or at least the least uncomfortable policy, I think, when you're navigating, like, hard-to-navigate waters, is to say, like, these waters are hard to navigate, like, to acknowledge it out loud. Yeah. Or to say, like, I'm worried that I'm going to say something that's going to, like, put extra, like, 
worry on your plate or like, I just want to not mess up with you. So if I do let me, you know, just like somehow to to just bring it up is good. Yeah. And like you said, checking in about what the person needs. Do you want to talk about what's going on with your treatment? Mm -hmm. Can I ask you how your treatment's going? Or would you rather talk about you know, what Josie's learning about lately yeah. or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, or like, is there a place where you're sharing your story for those of us that want to keep up to date with what you're comfortable sharing? Like, are you doing an email or a blog? Can I get on that yeah. list? Because I'd really like to keep up to date with what's going on yeah. without having to like text you and wait for a reaction, which is like. Yeah, exactly. I think also one thing that was just so amazing. It was like one, honestly, one of the best gifts aside from the actual gifts that she gave me, is a friend dropped some things off on my porch. She texted me to let me know they were there and tucked in. There was a little card and it said, no reply necessary. Uh, nice. And I was just like, oh, thank you. Because mm-hmm. there is that like, you feel like you have to right away say thank you so much everything's so beautiful or this food is delicious and Mm -hmm. then I don't know at least I feel kind of pathetic about it and like I feel like I have to you know take pictures of it and thank the person on social media or whatever you know there's just this whole weird dance Mm -hmm. and to know that there was no no reply needed I didn't I didn't have to perform gratitude right it was just so nice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that is a valuable tool to have in your yes. kit <laughs> even start a, a message with don't you dare reply to this unless you have the mental space to do that yeah and there is no time frame on when i would expect that if i even get it but on that note what's your prognosis <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding I do kind of think like I was joking about like ask them if they like their oncologist, but like that is kind of like a good place to start with like getting like the non-emotional deets if you're kind of trying to yeah kind of like get get the conversation rolling with some like you know is it like a three appointment a week situation for you right now or are you like at yeah. the hospital once a week right now you know like are, do you have a big team like who's on your team I assume you've met with your surgeon you know like I mean as I'm saying this I'm like I'm overwhelmed you're asking me <laughs> questions so don't like be a firing squad but it is a little bit less emotional to talk about like whether or not you like your surgeon versus like have you told your daughter yet that you have cancer? You know, <laughs> whatever. Yes, exactly. It's so true. And we spend a lot of time with these people and a lot of time thinking about this stuff. And I know that for me, it's it's easy for me to forget that not everybody has this depth of knowledge of breast cancer. And if you want to be like a super awesome A-plus friend, do a little bit of research on it. Mm-hmm. If you are really close to a person that has cancer, just do some Googling. Or if you really want to be rad, read a book. Like mm-hmm. there are books at the library and, you know, listen to a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Called Cancer <laughs> Yeah, but I also would caution someone to not research and then try to like act like, you know, all this stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Or bring up statistics or bring up. Definitely not. You know, like every little. But for your own edification. Yeah. So you're not like. Yeah. So how does cancer work? You know, like, I think that it's, it's cool. Like I have a couple of friends who know that I'm really into like the research side of things and that I was really stoked Mm -hmm. to be on a clinical trial. And so they'll ask me like, Hey, how's that clinical trial going? Or what's the next step? Like, 
are you in phase one or whatever? You know, just like a little bit of research on your end means a lot. Mm-hmm. At least it does to me. Yeah. But yes, please don't go sharing your ideas about treatment or um, anything like that. Oh, and with that, we should also tell you that your next assignment, if you have been assigned to listen to this episode by someone you know who has cancer, your next assignment is to go please listen to our episode called Sleeping on Piles of Money. It is just ripe with all of these suggestions for how you can cure cancer. Mm -hmm. That's a big one for offering alternative cures or things that my mom's cousin's boss or whatever juiced her cancer away. Yeah. She was cured from her uterine cancer by juicing green apples. Oh, sure. Um, here's a book about it. Don't you dare. Mm-mm. But you're not that stupid. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you were that stupid. That's right. Um, okay. Well, I think we have a, a lot of good info in here. We could probably do a part two of this if people want to write in with stuff that they want to have us mention in part two that people need to keep in mind. Absolutely. Do you want to do a rats on that note? I do want to do a rats. I've got a quickie. Great. Hit it. week about electroacupuncture. Ooh. I know that you love your acupuncture for hot flashes and stuff, but mm-hmm. I read about how electroacupuncture is effective for the chronic musculoskeletal pain that cancer patients have to deal with so often. Whoa. And it um is something that I don't think gets talked about very often. But this long-lasting chronic pain can really, really affect people's quality of life. Mm -hmm. You know, you get branded as a drug seeker. You're constantly dealing with, like, the brain fog that Mm -hmm. comes with the meds that you have to take for chronic pain. Yeah. And um, chronic pain is something that a lot, 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 lot of cancer people end up having to deal with, whether they have chronic cancer or they end up cured there's still a lot of weird musculoskeletal problems that you have. Yeah. And so I learned about this electroacupuncture and how effective it is. So just briefly, what it is, is they insert the acupuncture needles and then there's electrical stimulation from the needles. So it's pretty similar to regular acupuncture. Hmm. I wonder how that feels. I know, right? I wonder. I bet it's like tingly. Yeah. So it reduces average pain severity scores and improves physical and mental quality of life in cancer survivors. So that's according to this study in JAMA Oncology, the Journal of the American Medical Association Oncology, um, and it was published in March. So Memorial Sloan Kettering did this randomized 360 patient trial, and the patients had been previously treated for chronic pain due to their cancer. And one group received 10 weekly sessions of this electroacupuncture and another received 
regular auricular acupuncture. So that's in the ear. And the third received what would be considered normal, like standard care for pain. So just pain medication, physical therapy, and steroid injections. And the results showed that acupuncture was superior to usual care, decreasing discomfort by 1.9 pain points. So mm -hmm. that's like on the pain scale okay. where you have to say, is my pain from like a one to a 10? And they have the like horrible grimacing face. And <laughs> <laughs> is there, do, do you know what the pain, average pain level people were starting with? Or is it just like all across the board? Like, were these all sevens and they all went down to sixes or were they all twos that went down to ones? Or They didn't say what the starting pain level was, but they did. S I need that information. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at them. Well, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I take on. this responsibility very seriously. <laughs> um, so it reduced the use of analgesics also. So that's uh, the pain meds, mm -hmm. which is a big deal for people because Obviously, you know, living your life, taking Vicodin and stuff all the time is not great. Right. So um, one in three cancer survivors, according to this paper, experience chronic pain, which is twice that of the general population. Yeah. Which is fucking nuts. And it's one of the most common long term effects of cancer yeah. treatment. And uh, obviously, it's like hurting people's quality of life. So it didn't matter about gender. Um, age, everybody in this group, you know, seems to have responded well to this electroacupuncture. I want it. Yeah. So what's really interesting to think about is the number of cancer survivors in the United States is growing all the time because they're curing cancer so much more now. And so mm -hmm. that means, according to this paper, in 2016, the number of survivors was 15.5 million and when you think about one in three of those people having chronic pain, any new advancements in how to treat that has got to make a really big difference, just like at a societal level. Yeah. And so I just thought that was really neat. It, the paper was published in March, so it's a pretty new finding. Yeah. But, you know, if chronic pain is something that you are dealing with as a person with cancer or in or out of treatment, and um, that sounds interesting to you, maybe you want to check in. At your cancer center to see if electroacupuncture is available. I don't think my cancer center has it, but now I'm like, I'm going to switch because that's where I get my acupuncture. Yeah. But I'm going to go find someone because it is amazing. Like acupuncture does help me with it. It, it just is. I believe in it. It's real. Yeah. Like I've been surprised by pain going away in areas that I didn't even think it, it, it has shocked me, like just like lifting up my arm that I'm so used to having pain in and then like realizing that I'm bracing myself for pain, but then there's no pain. Yeah. And just being like, wait a minute, I just braced myself for pain. I didn't even realize I had been bracing myself until there was no pain. So much of the pain that moves around your body from cancer treatment is really interesting to me. Like if you like for me, like my surgery in my breast might be like causing me to hunch my back over mm -hmm. and then that yeah. back strain might be causing you know my abdomen to not be as tight because my back is not using my app like whatever and then suddenly your thighs are hurting because they're doing yeah more work than your ab is and you have no idea that that is all related yeah. um and i don't know or like the medication that you're taking is like for me right now like my um, aromatose inhibitor 
stupid pill that I have to take every day that I'm so glad I get to take. But <laughs> God, it's it causes bone pain. I feel like I'm 80. Like I'm walking around and yeah. like last night I thought like, Jesus, this almost feels as uncomfortable as when I was like eight and a half months pregnant, mm-hmm. just like getting up at night to go pee, but then like walking and then my body feeling like, oh, you know, like it's at the point where I'm like, yeah, like how you would when you're eight and a half months pregnant, be like, could you go hand me that soda water, you know, instead of getting <laughs> yeah. up to grab your own goddamn soda water because you're an 80 year old woman or you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. And so electro acupunk me. Yeah, man. Now seek it out. That's the cool thing, I think, about learning more about these complementary medicine mm-hmm. opportunities that, um, you know, my cancer center does acupuncture also. And it's just it's great when we can reduce the need for more medications mm-hmm. and just kind of help your body yeah. function a little bit better. For sure. Because Lord knows you don't want to just keep taking pills for everything. Can I just say to anyone who's listening who is an entrepreneur or is just like looking to make that big buck, when you just said that more and more people are surviving cancer and living longer with it and that Uh that means more people are in pain, go invent more shit that makes us feel comfortable, please. Like there, not just acupuncture, that's a great thing, but like just more flotation tanks are a big thing now. Like, that's amazing. Like, I want more of that kind of stuff. I want more like. Yeah. And paid for by our insurance because their health, their health issues. Yeah. And that's a real thing. Like you can create a product that insurance pays for, like comfortable bras, like insurance pays for bras for people who have had any sort of breast surgery. Yeah. It's psycho. It's amazing. Um, Anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. That was really cool. That was cool to learn about. And so cool. um, I hope that it's helpful for people. Yeah. Fifteen and a half million cancer survivors as of 2016. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Well, now, if they would just share this podcast with their three friends, <laughs> maybe we'd make it into the Apple new and noteworthy. <laughs> oh, uh, come on, guys. Help us JK. out. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Please uh, tune in. And if you liked it, then share it with someone who you also think might like it. Because I'm actually not joking about that. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to end on a positive note, if you did get recommended this podcast episode, it's not because they hate you. It's not because they're mad at you. They love you. And they're trying to make it easier for everyone. And less awkward yes, for everyone. Yes, they want you in their life, and they love you for trying. Yeah. But we just want to help you do a little bit better. And also, I will say, everybody who is a cancer person, or at least most of us, have a recollection of not being a cancer person before. So we do mm-hmm. realize how it's hard to yeah. be in the shoes that you're in. Like, even though it's harder to be in our shoes, like, sorry, it just is. Mm-hmm. There is room to acknowledge it is hard all around for our loved ones, for our best friends. It's fucking hard. It affects us all, but let's just try to work together. That's right. Go team. Mm -hmm. All right. Catch y'all later. Send us a letter. Follow us on Instagram. Bye. 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 
for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vividir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. so much for listening. Thanks for listening.